This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So, y'all bear with me today. We're going to try to do a quick review because we have a lot that we want to get done in the next couple of weeks. But I want to go ahead and, and just remind everybody what our subject matter has been for the past, I, I believe it's about nine weeks now. And we're, this is our premarital class. And uh, Minister Stinson started off with the purpose of marriage, and it was, it was great. She laid the great foundation. What is the purpose of marriage? It's to show forth God's love. It's to raise a godly seed. And before I get even further into that, I just want to share a story with y'all. Uh, so uh, my niece and my nephew there are doing tutoring. Uh, this summer, and so they went to the person that's tutoring, and they came back with a, a little cup with a seed in it, it's an avocado seed, and they're supposed to, in a little water, and they hold it above it, and they're supposed to let that seed grow, and it's so amazing to me, right, because, you know, one, one week there was a crack in the seed, and they were so excited, they wanted to do, it's growing, it's growing, all right, take your time, and then just a couple days ago, two days ago, Layla talking about my seed cracked at the bottom, and I, I kid you not, and, and it's beautiful to see nature, right, it's beautiful to see, to see God's handiwork going. But when that seed cracked, it wasn't, it wasn't where it needed to be yet. So it, it's amazing to me because that seed cracked and Layla was like, it's ready. Let's get it out the water. Let's move it. Let's do this, do that. And I was just like, hold on a second. I, I know it's starting to get interesting. See, and, that's the, and it ministered me to so much because that's the way that people see things, right? God is in the midst of making something beautiful, but it's in his time. And you see something. You see a little bit of the fruit start showing and you're like, let's go. Let's get it going. And God's like, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. And we're ready to take it out of what... She was ready to take it out the water. She was ready to move it out the sun. And guess what? That's what gives it life. And they were ready to take it out because she was, she was like, I, I, I'm ready. This is showing me what I need. But God makes things beautiful in His time. It's all in His time. And that's the thing that we have to remember. God makes things beautiful in His time. We, don't, we can't rush the process. Even though things look good and it looks like, oh, I'm heading in the right direction. Now I know what to do. Wait on God. Before you remove your lifeline, the source of your strength, wait on God. And I said all that to, to say this. There's a season that precedes a marriage. And it's dating. And you need to wait on God throughout that season. I know it's a long season. I know things get rough. I know you, there's challenges. I know we have to deal with the lust of our flesh. Guess what? We all do. But let God make things beautiful in His time. So, Again, my portion of this is Dating on Purpose. That's what the title of this, this series has been. We're talking about Dating on Purpose. Allowing God to make things beautiful in His time. Not rushing those seasons. So we need to figure out what God has to say about this matter. And our objectives over the past few weeks, and hopefully some of these questions have been answered, is we said, what is dating? Does God's purpose interfere with dating? Is dating a commitment toward marriage? See, these questions, though I didn't say them to you, if you've been listening, some of these questions have been answered. And we're going to keep going today because a, a lot of these questions we still want to touch on a little bit. Who and how do I date as a believer? Those are what we're going to focus in on today, and then hopefully we'll be able to get to the courting process next service. But who and how, we're going to, how we need to date as a believer is what we're going to finish up today. So I'm going to do a little bit more of a review. What was dating? So we looked at that word date, and again, this is very, very easy. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. It's just a specific day or that's set out of the month or the year where you're meeting with somebody, whether it be social, whether it be romantic, and it doesn't have to be one person. It could be a group of people. We are at a date right now. We're dating. 
I've been dating you for the past four weeks. We're dating. It's a specific date set at a different time. And then we also said, but then when you go on dates with different people, you begin to build and develop on what we call relationships. And relationships are bonds that are developed between people that can relate on some, on, on some, some basic level. So we use people that work together. They can relate. We go to church together. We can relate. But the only difference is the world says you can relate to whoever you want to. You can be yoked with whoever you want to be and not worry about the consequences. But that is not biblical dating. See, God has an order for everything, and just because you see a little bug coming out doesn't mean you can do what you want to do now. Just because you see a little growth, he has an order. You need to stay in his plan. See, that's the thing about God's order. You can see it in nature, but you can also see how man has reached in there and messed it up. That's why, you, you, you want to know the, the secret of it from the beginning of the world? Why are we having a pandemic now? Because man has reached in there and messed it up. That's what it's been. So, and we've learned from the beginning that God says, what do I want men to do? I want them to be my kingdom representatives here, so they need to subdue. They need to have dominion. They need to dress and keep their fleshly, their bodily members. So that they can be my kingdom representatives here. But before you do that, you have to have the kingdom of God in you first. And then when you have it in you, and you've been dating people that have it in them, when they come together, they develop what? Kingdom trends. Through their bloodline through their generations, through their families. The generational curses get broke. The generational curses get stepped out of. They get left in the, in, the, in the past. But that's only in biblical dating. That's only in kingdom relationships. And what do we say? We know what a relationship is. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What's right in God's eyes, being with God no matter what, See, that, that's the same illustration as that avocado seed. No matter though I'm starting to bud, let me just stay with God and stop trying, to, let, try, stop trying to use up authority. Let me submit. Enjoy in the Holy Ghost. Listen, you have the ability to walk in the Spirit. See, we're going to see somebody today. Remember, we, we almost touched on Samson. There's a difference between you and Samson. And we'll touch on that. So again, what was biblical dating? Biblical dating is God's method to establish, the ki- to establish kingdom relationships. And again, we said that is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So he wants us to establish our relationships on righteousness, on peace, and on joy in the Holy Ghost. Because nothing he gives us goes against his purpose, which is to seek and save the lost. See, when you get into these relationships... You know, these kingdom relationships, even if, you're, if it's a marriage, even if it's a relationship with your child, your relationship should speak of Christ. It shouldn't speak of, you know, we got married because we had a child outside of wedlock. It shouldn't speak of those things. It should speak of, I love her as Christ loves the church. That's all your relationships should speak. But that can, listen, kingdom relationships can only be built by those who love God more than they love, they love you. A kingdom relationship can only be built by those that are faithful to God first. Not faithful to you. Not faithful to, to what you want. Not faithful to the desires of your flesh. To those that are faithful to God first. So again, biblical dating is for the believer only. Only the believer. And if, if, if you're not committed to God, then don't, work, don't look at it as a cheating on somebody else. You're cheating on God.
This is why God wants us to have kingdom relationships. We have to be reminded of how we stay faithful to him. And that's what took us to Psalm 127. Except the Lord built the house. Except the Lord keep the city. See, because the, the Lord is building kingdom relationships. Unless you want to eat the bread of sorrows. When you're, trying to, when you're trying to do things that are advantageous for you. When you're trying to do things that are in your mindset, which you think is right. But he said, lo, children are a heritage of the Lord. Uh, what is the children's bread? Not sorrows. The children's bread is healing. Restoration. So that's one other thing you have to understand about, about kingdom relationship. They bring healing and restoration. Even if, you, even if you weren't privy to kingdom relationships before, you can be healed and restored in a kingdom relationship. Because that's the Lord building the house. And we're going to get there. We're going to get there as well about being healed and restored in a kingdom relationship because there's plenty of people in the Bible who decided to be accountable to God and were restored, were healed. I can name some off the top of my head. Ruth could have been accountable. Listen. Ruth could have been accountable to her old family after her, after her husband died, after her father-in-law died. But she chose to stay accountable to God. Now, she didn't stay, choose to stay accountable to her mother-in-law. It was to God. And guess what? Guess what? Even though she lost, she lost her husband, she was restored later on. God took care of her later on. You know why? Because she chose to stay accountable to God. See, that's what I want you to understand about biblical dating. It's not being accountable. Uh, accountability is going to come up, and it's a big thing. But a lot of people think about accountability, and they say, who am I being accountable to? I don't want them to, they have to be responsible for my actions. No! You need to be responsible for your actions by being accountable to God. See, personal accountability comes from, personal accountability will say, I need to be accountable to God's kingdom people because I'm being accountable to God. That's personal. And I, like I said, it's not about pushing the responsibility off on them. Because it's your responsibility. Well, at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you, you're a grown man, you're a grown woman. You don't have to be accountable to anybody. But do you want healing? Do you want restoration? Do you want to be edified? Do you want to be built up? Or do you want to be stuck in the same generational cycles you've been in? And it's so funny, you know, we talked about generational cycles. We went to, to Samuel, we talked about Amnon, we talked about all of them. But, and his own family came to him with that counsel. You remember that? Jonadab, his cousin, he came to him with the bad counsel. But here's the thing about your family. Sometimes you've got to leave your family out the door so that they can be saved. Because let me tell you something. When breaking generational cycles... Your family's not going to, they're not going to like it. You know why? Because it's their generational cycle. They've been experiencing it long enough. It's the norm for them. So now you're doing something different and they're not going to like it. So what are you going to choose then? Because you know the counsel. You, you saw the counsel that Amnon got from his cousin. You saw the counsel Amnon got from his friend to keep the generational cycles going. Because let me tell you, this, that stuff in the life of David and his family, that started way before that. That started back when David was sitting on the rooftop. And that followed his seed. Remember we said generational? It goes from, it followed his seed. All the way to, his, to Absalom was, was killed. But we got to break those with kingdom trends. 
Because both children are a heritage of the Lord. And that's a house that the Lord has built. What, what house is that? Remember the fruit of the womb is his reward? The fruit of the womb of who? Who's the bride of Christ? The church. Righteousness is the fruit of the womb. That's his reward. So that means he's talking to the church. The church needs to be dating the church. The church needs to be yoked with the church. Not unequally yoked. Not, not, not in communion with the world. Not in communion with the spirit that's different from the spirit of God. Because when, when you start communing with that and hanging out with that and being part of that, you know what happens. That, that's the thing about who you date with, you know. Well, what about this person? I, I believe they're a nice person, but they're not a believer, and I want them to be a believer. But that doesn't mean you have to go hang out with them and their friends. Listen, are you a believer? Well, then invite them to come hang out with you. And believers. Because everything else is just a cop-out. You want to do what they're doing. Let's be honest. Invite them to come hang with you. Hey, invite them to church. Invite them on a date on Sunday morning. Instead of a date on Friday night at 1, 2, 3 in the morning. I'm just, you know, I'm just speaking truth. See, all these things come from... Let me tell you something. I don't know what you got yourself into, but I do know world, the world. I do know man, and I do know the enemy. I know my adversary. So these things that are being said, listen, they're general statements, but they're covering a lot of people right now. And the remedy to that is to date people that are an example of a believer. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. See, those, that's what people don't get. It's a major thing. You don't, you don't take it to heart that the people that you associate with. Listen, you, you can't live above your association. Try as you must. Try as hard as you can. You're not going to get above it. Even if you call yourself a believer. And I think this is a perfect time to go back to where we were last week in the Samson. Because let me tell you something. Samson was a Nazarene. Samson was a, for all, let me tell you, for all intents and purposes, he was a, for you, he was a believer. Let me put it to you like that. But unequally yoked, coming into, coming into communion with the spirit that is not of God. And it's so, it's so funny because, what, what, what did we say before? Every man is tempted and drawn away with his own lust. And it's, it's amazing to me. That in, in, in the life of Samson, God doesn't... They talk about all of his occasions with the lust of his flesh. Oh, they mention he judged them for 20 years. But why does he go into detail about his life and the lust of the flesh? And Samson had the Spirit of God with him. But uh, we're going to see here, they go through these, these, these events in Samson's life. And then it'll say in one little verse, then he judged for 20 years. There's something God wants us to see here. So let's go ahead and turn over to Samson. We want to turn to Judges chapter 14. And that time is getting away from me. Judges chapter 14. And I'm going to start at verse 1. And again, I'm going to give you all a little background here because we're talking about Samson with the Philistines. And again, I'm going to tell you about the Philistines. They worshipped 
a different type of God. They didn't worship the God that we worship. They worshiped a God called Dagon. And to worship them, they had ritual prostitution, human sacrifice. They had self-mutilation. They had a homosexuality. All that was worshipped to this guy. In their feasts, their festivals, all that was going on to this guy. And Samson knew this. Samson knew this because he was unequally yoked. He spent time with the Philistines. Philistines spent time with him. And we're going to read this. We're going to see the progression of this. So chapter 14, verse 1, and this is where we were last week. And it says, And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Now, I didn't mention this last time, but let me tell you something. Samson saw a daughter from the land of the Philistines. That means you were in a, you were in a foreign land already. Why? Because of the lust of his flesh. What were you doing over there? You were seeking occasion. Not occasion of the spirit, but of the lust of your flesh. Already over. Well, I'm going to put it to you like this. Because again, like we said last week, we see that he was seeking occasion of the Lord. But then his parents say right here in verse 3. Then his father and mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren? Never denotes that this has happened before. And, and know what that also means? That means he's brought a woman with him before. And his parents are like, my goodness, here we are again. Same cycle. Same thing again. You're bringing a, it, it was an occasion of the Lord, but at this point, in his parents' eyes, they're like, those ones that worship through homosexuality, the ones who, human sacrifice, the ones who do ritual prostitution, and you're bringing a woman over here to marry from them. See, this is not the first time for Samson. Remember, unequally up means your spirit is becoming in communion with them. Verse 3 again. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. And then I'm going to tell you here, you know, he, he does kill a, he kills a, a lion here. He does pose a riddle to the Philistines. And then the Philistines, they... In Samson's words, they plow with his heifer. They go to, they go to his wife. No, no. That's funny to me because they say they plow with his heifer, but she's a Philistine woman. But anyway, they plow with his heifer. And so Samson was mad. And Samson went in. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me get to my point here in the scriptures. They get the answer from him. They go back and forth. Once he plowed with the heifer, Samson, listen, Samson gets mad, burns the Philistine crops. The Philistines get mad and kill Samson's wife and her father. Samson retaliates with the Spirit of God on him. And he slays the Philistines. Now this is all from his, his confrontation with the Philistine woman. An occasion of the Lord. Now here we go. Verse, where am I? Verse 19. I'm sorry, verse 20. So after all I just said to you, here we are at verse 20. And he judged Israel in the days of Philistines 20 years. Okay? And there, there was his just. So I, I want to I tell you something. In your life, you can have God with you. And, but if, you, if you're unequally yoked, and you haven't dealt with the lesson they keep coming back, let me tell you something. By the end of your days, you won't even know it, but the Spirit of God will be hidden left you. You'll wake up one day and you'll look in the mirror and you've been, listen, you've been in, so, in, in sin for so, so long that now sin is the normal spot for you. 
and you forgot. You forgot what Christ has done for you. And, and I'm going to show you the progression of this. So Judges chapter 16 now. Verse 1, right after that verse 20, he judged 20 years. And then immediately after the judge 20 years, we come right into this story. See, it's funny how God mentions what, is, what the issue here is with Samson. Right after he said he judged 20 years, here we go. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there in Harlot. Now, let me tell you right now, why did Samson go to Gaza? Because let me tell you what Gaza was. It was a Philistine city. <laughs> so you tell me why he went. Why has he been going? Is there never a woman among my people? Saw a harlot and went into her. And it was told the Gazite, saying, Samson has come hither. They come and compassed him and laid wait for him all the night in the gate of the city and, and were quiet all night, saying in the morning, when it's day, we shall kill him. Now, I, I'm going to tell you, they didn't get to kill him here. The Spirit of God didn't leave Samson just yet. But let me tell you, why is he in this predicament again? Why are you set up with your enemies and kept around about you? You put yourself in that position. No, 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 no. His people in the Philistines, they were not, a, they, they weren't a tight people like that. But he chose to go right into that city of Gaza because he saw a harlot, a Philistine woman. And blessedly enough, he, the Spirit of God didn't leave him at this point. But let's keep reading here. And Samson lay till midnight, verse 3, rose at midnight and took the doors at the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them and bar and all and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the of an hill that is before Hebron. See, the thing about it is you need to realize where God is in your life. You need to realize, what, because at this point, he's doing all these other things and he's like, but the Spirit of God is with me. Listen, you better understand the power of prayer. You better understand the power of your parents being in line. You better understand all that time because there's going to come a time where only you're going to be able to answer. And we're going to see right now what happens when only Samson is able to answer. Verse 4, And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Sorek, they weren't necessarily a Philistine city, but it was covered in Philistines. And it was covered in a certain type of woman. A prostitute. Now, I'm not going to say that Delilah's a prostitute. Well, hold on, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not going to say that Delilah's a prostitute, but if you look at that area, if you look at that timing, if you look at Samson's history, you can, you can draw some conclusions. So here we go. And it came to pass after that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came unto her and said unto her, entice him. Now, here's my question. Why did the Philistines know that they could set him up? Why did they know that? Because they knew Samson just as well as Samson knew them. Oh, he's been doing this for years. They were saying the opposite of his father. Oh, he can't go from nobody from his house. He's coming right over here to the Philistines. We can set him up. Hey, this is the lust that easily besets him. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lies. And by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. 
And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, or wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict, to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven great wisps that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up her seven green wisps, which had not been dried, and she bound him with him. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber, and she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee. So it's so, it's so funny to me, right? Because they go through this cat and mouse game a few times. But Samson is so gone in his lust, he doesn't even care. The Philistines be upon thee. Oh, no, no, no. The Spirit of God got me. I'm good. The Philistines be upon thee. The Spirit of God got me. I'm good. And here's the thing as well. If you, if you read this, if you read this, Samson, Samson, they say that Samson loves Delilah, but you never hear Delilah say that, say that Delilah loves him. That's the, that's the funny part about it. We're playing games and you're loving the things of the world. And the world is not loving you. This is leading you to destruction. Playing games back and forth. Until eventually, let's jump down to verse, let's see. Let's jump down to verse 15. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? See, it's so funny. She asked him, You said you love me. And she still ain't told him she loved him. But you love me. Prove, prove your love to me. See, that's game in of itself. Let me tell you. Are you, are, are you dating out there? I'm just going to give you a little bit of the game. And guys, hey, you can be mad if you want to. But if a guy comes to you and tells you, I can't tell that you love me. You need to show me that you love me. That's game. That's game. Oh, I can show you that I love you through Christ. But no, 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 no. I, you need to show me. Listen, I, you need to show me something that you've never done with somebody else before. Ours is a different kind of love. That's, that's the game she's pulling on Samson. That's what she's pulling. That's, that's why I want you to know it's nothing new under the sun don't think you all you fellas that think y'all are players out there you must be reading the Bible and nothing new under the sun and she said unto him verse 15 how canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me thou hast mocked me with these three times and, not, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lies so remember she, she, he's mocked her three times and each of those three times though, the Philistines were laying in wait while he's still telling her he loves her. And 16, And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words, and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite and a God from my unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will, be, will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now, see, you see how he said that he told her all his heart. Listen, he bore his heart to her, and she had ill intentions for him. But here's the thing about it. When you're head over heels in your lust, it's just like, it's just like Amnon. His sister was there and said, talk to the king. He couldn't hear it. He even said it to her. I was a Nazarite. I'm unto God. Here's the secret to my strength. Couldn't even hear that. He said the words out of his mouth. I'm a servant unto God. But here's my strength. See, that's what your lust will do to you. They'll render you useless. See, that's what happens when you're unequally yoked. It becomes unprofitable, worthless. So he told her the secret to his strength. 
Verse 17, oh, I'm sorry, verse 18. And when Delilah saw that he had told all, her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines. See, she didn't care about his love. As soon as she told him all his heart, let me go get this boy set up so I can get my money. That's the way of the world. You, you think that the world cares about you back, but it doesn't. God truly cares about you. See, the things that he's keeping you from, it's not to, it's not to, it's not to punish you, it's to save you. And when Delilah saw that she, he had told all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in her hand. She got paid. And she made him sleep upon her knees. She went even further. She made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of, of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as that other time before and shake myself. Now, before I read right there, you see, you, you see what happened? Remember what I said? You, you don't even know the Spirit of God has left you. He got up and said, the Spirit of God is with me though. I'm on my way to handle him. And let's see what happened. Let's see what he said right after that. Let's see. Put the feeling, I'm sorry. And shake myself. I will go out and, and as other times before. Just like I did before. After I woke up with the prostitute before, a harlot before, and just shake him. I can do the same thing. And just shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. You know what that means? He didn't know. He got up head shaved like he was going to walk out there and like he was still consecrated to God. But been in his sin for so long that it become normal that the Spirit of God wasn't even with him. Now, now, now mind you, believers, kingdom relationship builders, we build off of righteousness, peace, and joy in who? The Holy Ghost. Now, here's the thing about the Holy Ghost. You have him on the inside of you. See, we live in a new dispensation. Samson didn't live in that dispensation. We live in a new dispensation where we allow the Spirit to order our steps. The Spirit won't come upon you and leave you and come upon you. No. We live in a new dispensation. And here's the thing about it. You can look at Samson's life and his relationship with the Philistines as unequally yoked, right? And we can take it even further. Let's say, because to be honest with you, in my mind he was married to the Philistines his whole life. Now, do you believe an unsanctioned marriage, uh, unsanctioned marriage that hasn't been sanctioned by God is unequally yoked? And if it is, then you're unequally yoked for your life. And there may be times where you're choosing God in your marriage and your other spouse isn't, and you're like, God is on my side, yes. And then 20 years pass, and then now, here it is later, 20 years, and the Spirit of God is no longer with you because you've been unequally yoked. And you've decided to do, there's certain things that I can let in my Christian walk. There's certain things that I'm unequally yoked with that I can do. And you think, it's okay, because the world says it's okay. And then you wake up one day, and the Spirit of God is no longer in your life. You can't witness His power in your life, because guess what? You're a friend of the world, and a friend of the world is the enemy of God. It's all or nothing. God doesn't like lukewarm. It's all or nothing with Him. In every area. In dating. Biblical dating. And here's the funny part about it. Samson was a faithful man. See, don't get me wrong. 
Don't get me wrong. Samson, toward the end of his life, his hair began to grow back. He was truly repentant and repentant. And the Spirit of God was like, I understand, my child. Those who fear the Lord, I understand. Don't get it twisted. As a matter of fact, since turn to Hebrews 11 real quick. Because God considered him a faithful man. But here's the thing about it. God still showed you what you needed to see from his life. He was a faithful judge. But he allowed himself to be unequally yoked. Which ended up being the downfall. Let's go to Hebrews. I, want, I just want to show y'all something. Because you, you read these stories and you're like, man, was he, was he, you know, did he believe in, in God? Did, was, he, was he faithful? Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 and 33. And I want you to know Hebrews 11, it's the faith chapter of the Bible. It's talking about those who are faithful. So verse 32, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, or Gideon and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and of, of David, also and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Now see, you see, you see, he, he, he had faith, and he did judge, but God said, go back to Judges and read something else though, because he could have did more. See, don't, don't get satisfied. Don't get complacent. You could always do more for God. By subduing. By having dominion. By dressing and keeping what God has provided for you. Oh, he was a faithful man. He was a faithful man. But who wants to live their life all the way to the end? And then at the end, now I'll be faithful. When you have all this time right now, and it's not a lot. But you have this time right now to get God's will done. Starting in your dating life. But we have to remember, just like he did Samson, God gives his beloved children rest. Remember what the children's bread is. It's healing. It's a restoration. Like I said before, even if you dated improperly up until now, God is saying, choose me this day. Redeem the time. You'll be healed, and you'll be, you'll be healed from your damage and your unequally yoked relationships, but you've got to choose. So how do we date to build kingdom relationships? And the first thing that I want to say, and I wanted to get here today, is we have to date with accountability. This is where I'm going to spend the rest of the time on today. There will be a couple more things that I'll reach to next week, and hopefully we'll be able to get into courting then. But we have to date with accountability. And we talked about a little bit about it earlier, but accountability, that's your commitment to God. And, and, and commitment to God, that will cause you to, to overcome these Goliaths in your life. Like those family histories, those generational cycles, those repeats. Listen, bad marriages, bad finances. Accountability to God? How do I be accountable to God here? By being accountable to His people. By being accountable to His Word. Because healing and restoration is the children's bread, and low children are a heritage of the Lord. So why do I need to be accountable? Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4.
Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we know this is a very popular scripture. This is actually on our, our threefold mission here. Chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 9 through 12. And it reads, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. See, you ask why you need accountability. And this is personal accountability. But let's just say I'm in here by myself. No, so I've been, I've been lifting weights with my brother a lot lately, and we do heavy weights. So let's say I go in there without a spot. Let's say we have who knows what on that bar, and I lift it up without a spot, and then I come down and can't get it out. See, in biblical dating, you have somebody there to help you with that weight. You have somebody to, to reach out there. But, but see, here's the thing. They can't, be, they can't be in agreement with any other spirit but the spirit of Christ. Then you have a hand to help you. Uh, you can't be in agreement with any other spirit but the spirit of Christ. Because then, two are better than one. Because uh, if not... You know what kind of spot you get? That's like me doing that heavy weight and my, my, my brother's son, little Isaiah, trying to come help me out with that weight. That's no help at all. And now he might be getting hurt. Verse 9 again. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath no other... Not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a three-four cord is not easily broken. See, the three-four cord, you know, accountability, that's what you need for healing and restoration. And we're going to get into it Should I start this now? No, because this is going to take... This is just like me getting started on Samson last week. So we're not going to get into this now, but we'll get into it now. Or we'll get into it next week. We're going to look into a, a little bit more about accountability and how you can be restored with accountability. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry please go to our website 